Hello, true believers. Uh, this week, we are beginning our analysis of Blade Trinity, the third and final film to date in the Blade trilogy. Uh, it being the third, it would obviously be the last film in the trilogy, unless this were some kind of Star Wars thing. Before we get started here, I just want to remind you to rate us on iTunes. Uh, if you enjoy what we're doing, we'd really appreciate it. And tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell anyone that you think might enjoy or be harmed by this if you want them to enjoy or be harmed by what we're doing here. In addition, you can follow us on Twitter at StoutBotInc and visit us online at StoutBot, that's S-T-O-U-T-B-O-T dot com. Hope you enjoy this week. Excelsior! You mean because uh, because if the, the dam burst, then the whole city would be flooded, right? When the levee breaks, we'll have no place to stay. That's true. Welcome, listeners, to Cinema Excelsior! <laughs> oh, God. My cat is trying to walk on my keyboard. <laughs> We're uh, we're experiencing some technical difficulties, and by technical we mean a cat is trying to crawl over a keyboard. By technical difficulties we mean Dooge is in the podcast. Dooge, <laughs> <laughs> we, we we have a panel of four today, and only three of us have cats in the room, though. And only three of us have watched the whole movie. Though not the same three. And only one of us is engaged to a cat. We'll let you decide. Yes, uh, this is Cinema Excelsior, and uh, we have a panel of four today, going from digital left to digital right. Uh, first, we have uh, the technically challenged Daniel Watson-Jones. Hello. Say hi. <laughs> Say it again. Hello. Today, Dude will be playing uh, the part of Ryan Reynolds' obscene upper crotch tattoo. Oh, God. In addition to Cat Wrangler. In addition to Cat Wrangler. Wrangle them cats. <laughs> to his digital right, we have Derek Long. Say hello, Derek. Hello, Derek. Oh. Uh, today, Derek will be playing the part of Triple H's Grill. To his digital, to his digital right, we have Nick Bester. Hello, uh, Derek. Let's <laughs> <laughs> <a> call back. <laughs> Uh, Nick will be playing the part of Parker Posey's hair. Yes! Yes, best part! And I'm Stephen Claypool. I'll be playing the part of Dominic Purcell's wardrobe. <laughs> Today's film is Blade Trinity, not Blade 3 Trinity, despite what Derek's <laughs> local video store would have you believe. Uh, th- they, insisted. Is, uh, they insisted. But they're the wrong. Da- database said so. Yeah. Uh, th- this is the final film of the Blade trilogy, and it stars Wesley Snipes, Chris Christopherson, Jessica Biel, Ryan Reynolds, Dominic Purcell, Parker Posey, Triple H, Natasha Lyons, James Remar, Patton Oswalt, and John Michael Higgins as Dr. Edgar Vance. And Caleb uh, Keith Rennie. And Calvin Keith Rennie, that's true. Uh, and it was written and directed by David Goyer. Goyer, who had written the first two films in the series and then stepped up to direct this one. His first film as a director, the Klaxon, should be firing now. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of trivia. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll start with the trivia. And uh, we'll start with the summary. 
So I have written a summary for this film because, again, we're trying not to repeat the... Uh, I, I think we should have Dude re- uh, improvise the summary. Dude has not seen all of the film. He saw Dude it once, is, Dude has not inebriated enough to improvise the summary. Uh, uh, to be I, fair, I, will, I have seen all of the film. It's just not since it was in theaters. Time ago. Today, I have not seen all of the film. Okay. Uh, so I will read the summary, do a bit of trivia, and then we will launch into our discussion as usual. So, Blade Trinity. We open in Iraq. Uh, no, wait, we open it's in Syria. Syria. <laughs> Even the characters get a little confused about this later. Uh, some vampires in spacesuits are entering an ancient tomb. They include indie not, star Parker Posey. Yes, go ahead. Not before uh, flipping off the sun. Not before Very flipping important. off the sun. That's how you know they're vampires. Yep. They include indie darling Parker Posey, beefy pro wrestler Triple H playing the implausibly named Yarko Grimwood, and a Cylon, uh, one of them. Yep. There's also another guy. They're searching for something, only they don't find it. It finds them and kills one of them. You know, the one that isn't played by anyone you'd recognize. Meanwhile, Blade, yes, he's still doing that thing he does. Killing vampires, chasing vampires, getting tricked into killing human beings, wearing Hot Topic teeth, and videotaped doing it. It's a public relations nightmare of the first degree. And soon, Dexter's dad is leading the FBI to capture our favorite daywalker for good. Meanwhile, Parker Posey and her vampire crew are getting to know that hunky Abercrombie model they unearthed in Syria. They want him to kill Blade, because we have to have a movie. Blade is captured by the FBI, and his mentor, Whistler, is killed in action. Again. I mean, he died so well the first time, so why not give it another go? Blade is imprisoned and tranquilized, and the stunningly insincere John Michael Higgins reveals that, surprise, this was all a setup by the vampires and their familiars. Parker Posey and crew arrive just in time to be surprised by two young, sexy vampire hunters. The insufferable Hannibal King and the impossibly grim Abigail Whistler. Yes, the illegitimate daughter of that Whistler. They break Blade out of jail and take him back to the Honeycomb hideout to meet the rest of the team, including Patton Oswalt and Natasha Lyons. Boy, we love these characters. They call themselves the Night Stalkers, and they do what Blade does, only there are more of them, and they're generally not impressive. <laughs> Meanwhile, There's also man, another one, another one who is <laughs> characterized in no regard. I don't think we learned his name, even. I don't know what anyone's name is and then there, later but there's, there's a black guy who gets killed. All That's yeah. all I know about him. And there's a Norwegian fisherman later. Yes. Meanwhile, that hunky Abercrombie model, you might know him better as Dracula. Or not, since we spent this film calling him Drake. For reasons. He is the fir- yeah. He is the first vampire, and the key to two competing plot points. In one, vampires are given the ability to walk in daylight. In the other, vampires are killed by a biolog- biological weapon. So he's not just the primary antagonist, he is also the MacGuffin. During a botched raid on John Michael Higgins' office, Hannibal is wounded, Drake escapes, and he and Blade begin their classic dialogue on honor. Also, a baby gets thrown around. Blade and Abigail go out a-hunting, and when they do, Drake breaks into their base, kills all of those beloved characters we got to know for one scene, steals Natasha Lyons' daughter, and kidnaps Ryan Reynolds, who is high in the running for most annoying damsel in distress in film history. I mean, like, seriously, <laughs> Willie Scott was easier to tolerate than this guy. He, he also does it in the guise of Whistler, because he can shapeshift, but he's never met Whistler, so there's no reason he's doing that. No. 
But so now it's time for a showdown, and after about 20 minutes of slow motion getting ready for the fight montages, we get one, complete with sword fights, vampire dogs, exploding wrestlers, and silver being pumped into the air. It's really not as cool as it sounds. Ultimately, our heroes get the win, Drake's blood is used to create a vampire-killing plague, and all of our foes die. But so seemingly does Blade. Except, psych, Drake used his shape-shifting powers to impersonate Blade and temporarily convinced the FBI that our favorite vampire hunter was dead, giving him the chance to escape as a gift for showing some kind of honor. Blade bikes off into the night, and the Night Stalkers narrate off into a long series of successful spin-off films. The end. <laughs> Didn't they just announce that uh, there is going to be a Blade 4? Uh, so we, we'll get to that a little. It's not okay. announced. It is rumored, though. Okay. A little bit of trivia, uh, and we, we can. I expect this will come up frequently during the conversations. The film had a little bit of a troubled production history. No. Uh, yeah, believe it or not, uh, one early idea for the film was to set it many, many years after Blade Two, and say that vampires had succeeded in dominating the world, and Blade was the last hope for humanity. So, sort of like a Highlander, the Source type plot. Um, Which is a reference the story that line everyone will get. too dark, and they got rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, ev- everyone, everyone gets Highlander the source. Um, so, the original director that they wanted to direct the film was Oliver Hirschbeagle. Uh, he could not direct this film because he was busy directing Downfall. So probably probably a good choice there on his part. Uh, Wesley Snipes has less than a hundred sentences in the film, including one word sentences and even onomatopoeic sentences. Gucci goo, uh, which gets to the idea of uh, Blade and David Goyer, the writer and director who had worked with Snipes on the two previous films, did not get along at all. Uh, Snipes accused Goyer of racism, physically threatened him at several points, and according to Pat Oswalt, just refused to come out of his trailer and spent his days smoking pot. Uh, yeah. Uh, Nick's favorite actor, Colin Farrell, was originally offered the role of Hannibal King. Oh, God. But, uh, Nick, did we dodge a bullet there? I don't know. Yeah. That's really tough. I don't know. That is, yeah. I mean, if it was the same dialogue being delivered the same way, yes? Yeah. Um, maybe uh, you're the, getting to this about uh, Wesley Snipes not responding to the name Wesley Snipes at some point. What, have, what you, did he have you heard this? That he, From what I had heard, uh, he insisted on being called Blade uh, and would not respond to his own name. And when he had notes for David Goyer... He he uh, would passive aggressively write them on a on a note on a piece of paper and stab it somewhere with a knife. <laughs> this is that, just what I heard. It, that, it, that it sounds too ridiculous to, to be true. But also, where he said that Blade and David Goyer didn't get along. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, it, it sounds too ridiculous to be true, and also so ridiculous um, that it has to be true. Which I of course is how all I would believe about Leslie Snipes. You would believe anything you would yeah. believe about Wesley Snipes? Um, yes. I would. A uh, c- couple more pieces. So uh, the budget for the film was $65 million. Gross was ultimately $128 million. So it, it made money. 
uh, but not quite the, the multiple that you would have hoped. And my favorite piece of trivia about the film, apparently David Goyer got it into his head that he really needed to cram Esperanto into the film. Yes! <laughs> so much fucking Esperanto in this movie. Including when Ryan Reynolds is convalescing after his wound, watching the film Incubus, starring <laughs> William Shatner, filmed entirely in Esperanto in 1966. Yes. Yes. There is also a scene in the movie where Whistler is having a conversation with a newsie or like a newspaper stand operator in Esperanto. Yeah. I thought at first it was Portuguese. I was like, <laughs> what language are they speaking? Uh, they also fly. Esperanto apparently has a flag, and like the Esperantan flag is flying um, somewhere in the city. Like in oh, of course. FBI headquarters or something. Uh, it's yeah. pronounced the FBI. Esperantan flag. It is. It is not pronounced that way. I apologize. <laughs> yeah. uh, right. My apologies. My apologies to all the es- the Asperitans out there. <laughs> yes, we don't want to offend our Asperitan constituency. <laughs> so, Blade Trinity. Um, opening thoughts. We'll start with you, Dooge. Uh, well, <laughs> I <laughs> I just got back from uh, Baltimore Comic Con, just as just as uh, this podcast needed to be. Uh, recorded, and I watched half of the film on the way back from the Comic-Con. I was not driving. Uh, And then I got tired and went to sleep. Uh, Also, I I didn't think that I could stand to watch any any more of the film at that point. Uh, But I think I did miss the good half. Uh, At least I'm imagining that I missed the good half, because I haven't seen this since it was in theaters, and right now it's uh, 2014. I think this came out in 2005. Uh, or maybe the end of 2004. So, uh, so, so my so, opening so just, thoughts just to be clear, are that... You, you saw the first half of the film, mm-hmm. and you think that you missed the good half. Yes, I think I think that's <laughs> probably the wrong. case. Uh, you are wrong. You are wrong, my friend. So wrong, you watched the good half. <laughs> <laughs> well, the half that I watched had a laser bow in it. <laughs> yes, unfortunately it did have that. Um, but, al- laser but also, it was the half that, like, half of the half that you watched didn't have Ryan Reynolds in it. That helps greatly. <laughs> That's funny, because uh, when I think of people who like Ryan Reynolds, that list has one person on it, and it is you, Nick Metzger. <laughs> <laughs> why, why do you think I like Ryan Reynolds? When do uh, I like Ryan Reynolds? Whenever we would joke about uh, Scarlett Johansson and Ryan Reynolds, uh, I, I would say that I was always frustrated that she got married. Uh, because I was in love with her, and you would say that you were frustrated that Ryan Reynolds got married because you were in love with him from Two Guys and a Girl in a Pizza Place. Do you remember these conversations? Uh, vaguely. I certainly I certainly know that I am about the only person in the world who has ever referenced Two Guys and a Girl in a Pizza Place. Oh, no. Probably people true. love that show. Are you kidding? Really? It had Nathan Fillion in it. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It did have Nathan Fillion in it. Uh, yes. I feel like no one else has ever known what I'm talking about when I bring that show up. We should start a uh, podcast talk called Two Guys, a Girl, and a Pizza Cast. How about a podcast called Obscure TV Shows? Obscure 90s sitcoms. All um, right. Uh, anyway. Let's see. Oh, I mean, the, I do find also Ryan the, the Reynolds very the film attractive, that I watched. but I do not like him. Oh, okay. For He's some a reason handsome, I handsome man. Go <laughs> uh, on, the, dude. Uh, the the half of the film that I watched had such great lines as everybody knows that movies are full of shit and don't fuck with my thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Derek, I will your say opening when thoughts. I, I, sorry, oh, just, oh, sorry. Sorry, dude. I will say that uh, when I saw this in theaters, I, I remember that I liked it at the time. So, you know. All right, my cat is running around asking for attention. Derek, to you. <laughs> yes, well, ah, oh, geez, where to start with this one? Um... <laughs> You know, Ryan Reynolds truly is the worst thing about this film. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let Nick do the, do all of the Ryan Reynolds pylons here. Okay. Um, but just, just know off the bat that my main objection to this film is Ryan Reynolds and everything having to do with him. Um, I guess on other notes, um, I think uh, another fundamental problem with the film is that. I, I wouldn't even say that there are structural problems to the script necessarily. It's that um, it's just really boring. Like it's extremely by the numbers. Um, you know, Nick, in the in the notes, um, you had mentioned that um, the film basically takes the whole film to get back to its most interesting plot point, which is that. Blade, you know, is that the FBI thinks that Blade has murdered a human, right? Yeah. I mean, that they... Well, I mean, effectively he has, but he, you know, unintentionally. But that that sort of hunt, you think, is going to be a major plot line throughout the film, and it just isn't. They just right? completely fucking forget about it. It completely drops out of the film. And what fills that gap is, is, is just, like, completely generic stuff, right? Gathering together a team, you know, a big bad has risen... From the dead, you have to, you know, gather together a team to um, fight him. Um, and all through that, you know, like, chunky middle of the film, Blade is actually not really the main character, right? I mean, we see so much more of fucking Ryan Reynolds and Jessica Biel, who I think Jessica Biel is fine in this. I mean, but fine, yeah. she's she's not really used to her full potential. Um or and she is? I don't know. I don't. I don't know. What's <laughs> Jessica Biel's ceiling? <laughs> I'm, I'm giving Jessica Biel the benefit of the doubt here. Right? I, I think there was not. room. There was there was room here for you know a, a potentially interesting character, yeah. um, but you know it just she just wasn't written that way. Um, and also, so I mean, we can we can talk about you know that in a little more detail later. But also, just the dialogue in this is so poorly written. Um, and it's poorly written in a consciously edgy way. Like, you know, it, it's just, like, really unique cursing and, you know... I'm all for cursing in films, please, don't get me wrong. But it's just it's just not imaginative or interesting in any way. And, yeah. um, you know, that lasts throughout the entire film. And so, honestly, I just got bored more than anything else. Nick Bester, you, you want to... Okay. You just uh, want to start the the, uh, the systematic deconstruction of Ryan Reynolds now? Uh, well, I mean, I actually want to start by saying that I had absolutely Bach-Rodham expectations going into this movie. I mean, when... when, when Bach-Rodham? Bach-Rodham? Really Bach-Rodham. It's my poor name. Bach-Rodham. Uh, oh, God. Uh, rot I, I thought and Derek was the one drinking Bach the Bach-Rodham <laughs> What do you think of this bottle? <laughs> I have absolutely no idea if Vermouth is clear or not. Um... Rock bottom expectations. I mean, when we uh, when we ended our podcast last time, uh, Stephanie, you had been talking about how this was you regarded this as one of, if not the worst movie you've ever seen at theater. So I went in 
going like, this is going to be absolutely awful. And it's not good, but I liked it a lot more than I expected. Uh, especially, and this goes back to sort of uh, the point that Derek was alluding to, that first ten minutes, I was like, okay, this actually seems really promising so far. Um, obviously, you have sort of the, the beginning of the plot with Dracula. I'm not, I'm not dignifying the movie. We're just going to call him Dracula. Dracula. He's fucking Dracula. Dracula's a much cooler name than Drake. Um, Wait, I thought he was just a Dracula. Yeah, yeah not the Dracula. Um, he's he's an Dracula. And Dracula. But but you have you have what I think is probably probably the best of the action set pieces uh, in the film because a lot of them really seem really perfunctory, uh, yeah. and you can kind of tell that uh, Leslie Snipes is not into it. Like in the FBI raid on him, like the fights there seem really really lazy and uh, put together, but that sort of first opening one where he's just fucking murdering like a dozen vampires in the streets of whatever city he's in. Esperanto. Uh, Esperanto land. Uh, Esperanto city. The capital of Esperanto. The frame job where he is uh, where he is sort of tricked into killing a human and there's this whole plot line of like the FBI's after him and they're gonna fucking nail him to the wall. Uh, I'm like, okay, this is not the plot I expected, but it's, it's got some potential. Uh, and then fucking Ryan Reynolds jumps through a glass window, and it all goes to shit. Uh, to be fair, he throws a vampire through a glass window. Or a mirror. Yeah, but then he jumps oh, through it. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and for me, the biggest twist in the whole movie was that he was not playing Deadpool. Because I had gotten... Uh, <laughs> I had gotten my... <laughs> I had gotten my Ryan Reynolds Marvel movie characters backwards. I thought he was going to play Deadpool in this movie. But we'll have to wait until uh, X-Men Origins uh, for him to do that. so much more interesting. Yeah. But uh, from what I've not would seen it? that movie, but from what would I've heard, it? he's not particularly good at Deadpool either. Um, oh, I guess it would. But yeah, like, like Derek, I would say Ryan Reynolds, if you took Ryan Reynolds out of the equation, the movie would be much better. It would not be a great movie because you then, you then come to the other major problem, which is Dominic Purcell's very, yeah. very yeah. boring Dracula, uh, who, as you rightly point out, he essentially just exists as as a MacGuffin for the two different sides with slightly yeah. different aims, uh, and he does things for reasons that aren't entirely clear, like the entire chase sequence they have. Why the fuck is he running away? Why does he do that? We don't know. He just fucking does. So, I feel like if there if there were an alternate version of this movie where a Ryan Reynolds just fucking wasn't in it and b it was much more about sort of the FBI chasing Blade, I think I would really really like this movie. And as it stands, I'm like in the rankings of the three Blade movies, this might actually I don't know exactly how I'd rank them, but I don't think I would rank this last. That's interesting. So, um, so personally, I I I remembered this movie being significantly worse than it was. And it's still bad, but I, I am willing to admit it's not as out-and-out out ungodly awful as I had remembered it being. That said, it is easily my least favorite of the three-blade films. The, the uh. thing that I keep coming back to when I think about what just grated on me about the film is we have to contextualize this as the third film in a trilogy. And this is the first trilogy that we've gotten. This is our first sequel, sequel. Yes. Um, if you're yeah. going to be the third film in the series, presumably, 
you would want, no pun intended for a vampire film, you would want the stakes to be raised. I see what you did there. Yeah. Ooh. No, um, in the first <laughs> film, it's, Woo! you know, pretty straightforward. You have Blade against Deacon Frost to try to save the world and reconcile his childhood dramas. Fine. In the second fit, in the second film, Blade has to team up with his enemies and there's tension from within and, you know, all that and fighting a new type of vampire and the stakes are raised and then the third film okay how do you raise the stakes well you, you play the dracula card and that's fine but he's a completely uncompelling and terrible dracula yeah and so the, the entire film i mean everything from the plot to the performance i'm just sitting there thinking like this this does not feel like that elevation that it needs mm-hmm. to be in terms of dramatic tension yeah, that was definitely my impression too. And there's cer- there's certainly potential there, right? I oh, mean, yeah. like Blade as half vampire, um, you know, you you could see where you know, like the the team teaming up with Dracula as the big baddie, like there's almost a, it's almost innate to the character that that could happen, right? Yeah, totally. That there's a there's a certain narrative logic to that happening, um, and it just doesn't. <laughs> so I, I think. Mi- before we go further, I do want to talk about the the idea of Drake for a minute, and the idea of the whole Night Stalkers story. Because I know Everything. The, ter- the terrible names. The basis of the Blade characters we've established before was Tomb of Dracula, the old Marvel mm-hmm. comic that was written by Marv Wolfman. Yes. Wait, really? He was a uh, Wolfman? Yeah. yeah he really Wolfman. missed the mark there on uh, the right kind of movie uh, thing. Maybe yeah. he doesn't know what a vampire is. <laughs> no, no. He, Blade, he's a wolfman. Um, he's not no, a wolfman. In the, in, His name is Wolfman. <laughs> God, why do we call back to that episode of Fred so much? <laughs> in that original comic, um, two of the major characters in the series besides... Blade, who, who recurred, were Hannibal King, Ryan Reynolds' character, and the protagonist of the series, Frank Drake, who was a descendant of Dracula. Yes! There's and a so, reference! Yeah, and so this was a reference that was completely contextually inappropriate. Yes. Oh, God. So, um, one of the things that did come up consistently in these openings is performances and to a degree casting. Um, we can talk about Ryan Reynolds, but we, we may have sucked that vein dry. So perhaps we should talk <laughs> about on, Dominic. No, because no, I think that uh, I, I actually have something to say about oh, Ryan we are Reynolds. Not done, we are not done with Ryan Reynolds by a long no. shot, my friend. We're going to be here, here for three hours more talking about fucking Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I think it's important to look at uh, the film historically. At, at this point, as I recall, Ryan Reynolds was considered one of the high points of this film because um, this is post Van Wilder, uh, and this is the first film I remember seeing where he was treated as an action hero. Yeah, like this was his like rise to stardom. I mean, Van Wilder was his big film, uh, and he was he was like a hot commodity, as I recall. Like he he was hilarious, and uh, people went to see this for him. Like the, him hamming it up was not a bad thing. People w- wanted to see him ham it up. Uh, and it was before the, I, I just had to look this up because I remember being really impressed when I saw the Amityville horror that 
uh, it was a film where he he played it completely dramatic. Uh, you know, it was a horror film. There was there wasn't a, a hint of him being comedic, uh, and I guess the two films that I had seen him in previous, uh, although according to Wikipedia, he's in Harold and Kumar go to White Castle, but I don't remember his role at all. Uh, oh no. Uh, but yeah, Van Wilder was really funny, and then this, he was also, you know, being comedic, and then Amityville, he was doing the, the drama thing, uh, but obviously, as you said, he was doing the action star thing here, so he was, uh, it's like Will Smith's career, where he's picking out films that are specifically going to display different aspects of his capabilities, uh, so I don't feel like, at the time, I don't remember part of the dialogue about this film being him being, uh, like, Ryan Reynolds being a bad thing. I mean, certainly they they consciously cast the hot new star here, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I, I'm not going to give him that as much credit as, say, Will Smith here. I feel like that might be a stretch. Well, yeah, I, I mean, mean, I don't mean that he's at the Will Smith caliber. I'm just saying that it, it if, if you look at the art of I mean, his he's career, also, he's also he here. I'm not, I mean, certainly in terms of his action bona fides in the, in the film... He's not the one that really does a whole lot. He essentially is there as comic relief. I mean, mm-hmm. his, his major fights in the climax are against a bunch of dogs and Triple H that he dispatches with a with a bullet that he bites down on. Whereas Jessica Biel and Blade are the ones, you know, kicking Actually all the doing ass. things. Yeah, yeah. I, I think maybe you're not doing mean, a good job of convincing me that I saw the good half of this film. Everything yeah. that you're saying sounds like <laughs> sounds like it was pretty pretty notable. Uh, you, you'll notice in my summary, Notable I said that is not it's the same not, thing as yeah, good. it's not as cool as it sounds. I think the problem with Ryan Reynolds in this particular <laughs> film is, um, it's one of degrees. Like Ryan Reynolds is playing this character mm-hmm. at eleven, yeah. And if he had pla- if he had played it at eight, it might have been okay. Yeah, one of my one of my main takeaways when I was sort of writing my notes for this is that it's a film that really, really suffers from trying too hard. Yeah. Uh, and I think in a lot of ways, I mean, I think a lot of the things going on with Jessica Biel's character, like she's wearing the headphones and she has these weird God, sleeves that she can oh, uh, zip God, up. And she's, got, and she's got that stupid... Uh, Batless. Ba- yeah, it's essentially laser a laser bat- It's essentially <laughs> a laser Batless, yes. That's a good way to put it. Uh, so they only use like three times in the whole movie, and it's really stupid. Uh, I think it would be more important. And everything happening with the Night Stalkers and their incredibly dumb naming scheme, everything they come up with is, like, it's supposed to sound really cool and, like, ooh, but it's just dumb. And it's probably most evident in Ryan Reynolds' character, which is clearly, he's trying to be kind of the wiseache, the wisecracking, uh, sidekick, uh, younger, up-and-coming character kind of archetype. But he's just so... He's always cracking wise, and there's never any downtime on it. It's just fucking a constant barrage of him making just endless, inappropriate jokes and just being overly zany, and it's just tiring. Well, how much... What what do you guys think? How much of that is Ryan Reynolds, and how much of that is the script? I mean, how much of that is David S. Goyer? I think it's Goyer egging on Reynolds, because the impression I got from Reynolds is that a fair amount of what he was doing was improvised. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, that's it's it's a character that dramatically because of the the backstory of the character could have some weight to it. Yeah, and you yeah. could you could set if you if you want to keep that sort of cracking wise character, you could 
write that in a way that is, you know, he, he's doing this because the only way he can keep himself from acknowledging the pain inside of him yeah. is by projecting mm-hmm. this this outward. Of course, yeah. that's not what happens. He's just an asshole. No. Yeah, I mean, we haven't, yeah, I don't I think we've really like talked the... about sort of what his character is. So, like, they, they yeah. show up for, essentially apropos of nothing to rescue uh, Blade from the FBI. And then he's all snippy about them being sort of young guys or amateurs. Uh, and then he, then Ryan Reynolds reveals that he used to be a vampire. Uh, and really not a whole lot is done with that potential plot. There's not really any sort of sense that this is, like, anything that tortures him. It's something that Parker Posey's absolutely ridiculous character throws in his face uh, a little bit, but that's about it. That's really the only way that it's in any way relevant to his character, that he used to be a vampire. It, like, comes up in two scenes. Yeah. I feel like all of the problems with his character are embodied in the way that his name is said as he's introduced. <laughs> Hannibal King! Uh, or, I'm Hannibal King, and then Parker Posey yelling and pounding the table, Hannibal King! Like, this is a character who everyone in the film wants us to think is very important. Yes. But none of but that is... But actually is not. Yeah. It's, it's, Nick, it's like how you feel about uh, Brother Muzone in The Wire. Uh, yes. It's... He it, yeah, you know, he falls into it, this problem it, that I have with a lot of way, characters where... It's all in the way that people talk about him and not yeah. anything presented on screen or earned. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, like, the, their badassity is all is all talk and it's all other people's talk. The word uh, is badassitude, I believe. Excuse me, badass... <laughs> clearly I'm screwing up everywhere. Bach Rodham and ba- <laughs> badassity. I uh, just can't be trusted. Uh, nope. Yeah, I, th- I, think that's, I think that's a good way to put it. And yes, Parker Posey's scream of... of uh, I, I, blanked, yeah. I actually blanked on his name for a moment. This is how unimportant <laughs> he is to the movie. That's how fucking unimportant he is Every to the movie. line of dialogue pertaining yeah. to him is someone screaming his name, and yet he is so his, his forgettable. Yes. 